morning and welcome to the regular meeting of the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors for Tuesday, September 26, 2023. Um, we will be going into closed session. Uh, Clerk, can you please read the two items on our closed session for us? Item number one, pursuant to government code section 54957.6, conference with county designated labor negotiators Judy Hawkins and Shay Johnson regarding the following employee organizations, Calaveras County Public Safety Employees Association, CCPSEA, Calaveras Management Union, CMU, Calaveras Supervisors Union, SCSU. Item number two, pursuant to government code section 54956.9D1, conference with legal counsel regarding existing litigation, Greer et al. versus Calaveras County, Calaveras County Superior Court case number 18 CV 43460. Thank you. Is there any public comments in the room? Seeing none, is there any online? There is none online. Okay, with that, we will be going into closed session. We'll be back at 9 a.m. Welcome to the regular meeting of the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors for September 26, 2023. Please rise if you can for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the And before we get started, uh, I think Robin, Clerk, do you have an announcement to make concerning the Zoom? Yes, um, we're having technical difficulty with the Zoom attendee portion. So if anyone is on Zoom wanting to make a public comment, we have an alternative. When it's public comment time, I will put up a slide with a phone number to call in. Keep in mind, it might be a busy signal when you call in, so keep trying, or please come in person to make your public comment. Thank you, Robin. Um, we had a closed session and we will have the clerk, Robin, read out. From I actually closer. neglected to give the clerk my memo so I can report out. We will um, have county council report out. There was no reportable action taken on either of the closed session items this morning. Okay, thank you. So we move on to the next item on our agenda, which is staff announcements. This is a time for county staff to provide updates of upcoming county events that may be of interest to the public. Do we have any staff member? in the room Corey. good morning good chair tofanelli members of the board Corey allen health and human services i just wanted to draw the public's attention to a press release that we issued last week uh, alerting that covid 19 cases 
have been increasing here in Calaveras County within the last month. And in fact, those case rates are more than three times what they were this time last year. Uh, on September 11th, the Federal Drug Administration authorized the use of a new COVID-19 vaccine formula to target the variants that we expect to see this year. Um, again, just as we've done in the past, I have advised people to go to uh, myturn.gov. I want to make sure I get that right. Myturn.ca.gov uh, in order to uh, have access to those vaccines. The Calaveras County Public Health Department will be requesting that variant, that, that particular formula, um, once they are able to be released. So just wanted to alert the public that we still believe in and support the use of vaccines to combat COVID-19. Second to that, uh, we will be announcing later today that we will have a no-cost flu clinic. It'll be a, a clinic that will go to each of your board districts um, in the month of October. And so more details will be available later today. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Can, can we please close the door? Th thank you very much. Thank you. Um, any other staff announcements? Judy. Judy Hawkins, Human Resources and Risk Director. I do um, want to invite the board to our health fair, which is this Thursday from 10 to 2, right out front. We have many of our internal departments will have tables to go over all the wonderful um, uh, programs that we have here in the county. And then also we have all of our our benefits vendors that will be here to give wonderful information to our employees uh, prior to our open enrollment, which starts at the beginning of October. We have goodies. We have a obstacle course that uh, the top two times will receive $50 gift cards. And it's just a fun time for all, as well as Mark Twain um, has donated lunches. We will have a taco cart. Um, out here as well. So we hope to see everybody and everybody here at our health fair on Thursday. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Any other staff announcements in the room? Seeing none, is there any online, Robin? There is none online as far as I can tell. Okay. Um, okay. We'll move on to the next item, which is our consent agenda. The consent agenda items are expected to be routine and non-controversial. I'm sorry, we won't go on to the consent agenda. We'll go on to general public comments, I'm sorry. Uh, any item of, thank you, Amanda. Any item of interest to the public that is within the subject matter and jurisdiction of the board and is not posted on the consent or regular agendas may be addressed during the public comment period. California law prohibits the board from taking action on any matter which is not posted on the agenda unless it is determined to be an emergency by the Board of Supervisors. If the public comment is completed before 30 minutes allotted time period, the board may immediately move to the next order of business. If public comment is not completed during the allotted time period, it will be continued to the, as the last item of business in order to provide opportunity for the remainder of comments to be heard. Are there any general public comments in the room? Good morning, Terry McBride, New California State Committee Chair, Senator, and District 2. Um, so we're already hearing about the new variant. I understand it's called the BA286. Um, you know, I have handed out a couple of thousand constitutions the last couple of months, oh, the last couple of years, and more and more people are understanding their constitutional rights. And I wonder if any one of you know the Ninth Amendment. 
Ninth Amendment says, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall be constrained to deny or disparage others retained by the people, shall not be constrained to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Why? I think that would include forcing people to wear masks. I think that would include forcing people to social distance. I think that would include uh, forcing people to shut down their businesses. So I'm wondering if maybe they're going to change the name of the variant to the, well, there's a presidential election coming up variant. Or, or how about the, we didn't destroy enough lives in it, or the economy variant, because that's what we're working on here, guys. And one of the reasons they were able to get away with what they got away with was the fear campaign that was like no other. And they got local government to go along with it. Local people, I think, might, might know better, but, but because there's a PSYOP campaign that scared folks witless. It was sad. It was very sad to see good people I know who walked around with fear in their eyes. And I have to wonder what happened to the flu because apparently COVID-19 cured it. Because we don't hear about the flu anymore, do we? Um, what happened last time is there was no information given out on how to prevent it. It's preventable and you can get through it. Lots of people got through it. I got through it. A lot of people can get through it. All you need is, is plenty of safe information. And here's the thing. Between now and three years ago, you have people that are informed. Three years ago, they didn't know, but now they do. You have good doctors like Pierre Corey, like uh, Elizabeth Ease, like Simone Gold, like, um, oh, I don't know, Robert Malone, who actually created that so-called vaccine. And now they're going to want to know what are the side effects. What is it that you're asking of us? And now all of a sudden, people are going to say, wait a minute, we have this wonderful thing called a Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I would remind you, you took oaths of office to defend that. That's a powerful oath that you took. And I pray that you will remember it. They, oh, and remember uh, um, Jimmy Buffett? Fabulous singer. When he died, he had his families with him. How many elders died without anybody? Who have died alone while their family cried on the outside and couldn't even go give them a kiss goodbye? I pray that does not happen again. Thank you. Marty Crane, I'll probably take a lot of grief for this, but I just have to say, listen to your own personal doctor. Listen to the science. Science is not invented, it is, it evolves. And when we know better, we do better. So that's why what was thought maybe three years ago is a little different now because we've learned and we now do better. And um, it just bothers me that um, when we try to convince people um, to do this or to do that, when it comes to public health, it should never be a political football. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Um, I'm speaking on uh, consent items 14 through 16. Uh, you have a chance to do that. This is general. This is general public comment. When those items come up, when do they're the not consent. on the consent calendar anymore? Huh? They're not on the consent calendar? Yes, uh, they, they are, but we're not doing consent right now. We're doing general public comment. You have to wait till consent comes up. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. General public comments. 
My name is Christopher Butner. My website is calaveras2024election.com. Uh, I'm just going to read for entertainment purposes a couple of codes. Code 2.64.560, prohibited activities, conflict of interest. No employee of the county shall engage in any employment activity or enterprise for compensation which is in any way incompatible with his or her duties as a county officer or employee or with the duties, functions, or responsibilities of the appointing authority or the county. Code 2.64.565, Code of Ethics. It is the duty and responsibility of those in public service to conduct their affairs in an ethical manner. As such, those employed by the county shall, A, never provide special favors or privileges or accept favors or benefits under circumstances which may be construed by reasonable persons as influencing the performance of one's public duties. B, engage in no business activity which is inconsistent with the con uh, con conscientious performance of one's public duties. C, never use any confidential information received in the performance of one's public duties for private profit or personal gain. D, never engage in outside activities that are incompatible with the objective performance of their duties or delivery of public service. E, treat all individuals encountered in the performance of one's duties in a respectful, courteous, and professional manner. F, promote only decisions that benefit the public interest. G, conduct and perform job duties diligently and promptly. H, faithfully comply with all laws and regulations applicable to the county and impartially apply them to everyone. I, promote the public interest through responsive application of public duties. J, demonstrate the highest standards of personal integrity, truthfulness, and honesty in all public activities. K, Uphold these principles, being consci uh, conscious that the public office is a public trust. Code 2.64.570, prohibited activities. I don't have the time to finish this, but it's all posted as the top blog post at my website, calaveras2024election.com. Thank you. Any other public comments? Um, any public comment online? There are none online that I can see, and there are no phone calls coming in. Okay. Then we will move on from public comment. We Now we will go to consent agenda. <laughs> consent agenda items are expected to be the routine and non-controversial. They will be acted upon by the board at one time without discussion. Any board member, staff member, or interested party may request removal of an item from the consent agenda for later discussion. And before we get going on that, there are three items that are Judy has pulled off for further um, conversation. Those are items 14, 15, and 16. So they will be discussed after we finish with the rest of the consent agenda. Is there any board member wish to pull an item off consent? Chair, I don't wish to pull, but I would like to recuse myself from item number nine. Item nine. Okay. Um, is there any staff member wish to pull an item off consent? Not online? There's no one and nobody calling in. Okay. Is there any member of the public wish to pull an item off consent? If so, please come forward. Nine and ten, please. Nine and ten. Any other items? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the board. I'm open for a motion for the remainder of the consent about 9, 10, 14, 15, and 16. And so nine is going to be pulled. So 
Okay, so I'm open for a motion. So moved. The motion by Supervisor Garamendi is second by Supervisor Hubbardy. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 4-0 with one absent. Uh, we'll go to item number nine. Chris, you pulled this item off. You want to come up and... My name is Christopher Budner. My website is calaveras2024election.com. Agenda 9 must be removed from today's consent agenda due to credible allegations of fraudulent misrepresentation and deceptive business practices by the Calaveras Visitors Bureau. On August 22, 2023, I appeared before this board with legal questions concerning the tourism promotion agreement being executed between the county administration and the CVB. My questions were ignored and this board voted to approve the deceptively worded tourism promotion agreement. Board Chair Tofanelli signed the agreement soon afterward derelict of his duty of office. Agenda item nine indicates that this board plans to vote today to approve a resolution adopting the fiscal year 23-24 county budget for the distribution of transient occupancy taxes to the Calaveras Visitors Bureau. Again, I will ask you legal questions derived from credible allegations of fraudulent misrepresentation and deceptive business practices by the Calaveras Visitors Bureau. Does the county administration understand the fundamental and significant legal distinctions between a public benefit nonprofit corp and a mutual benefit nonprofit corp? Why did the CBB convert from a public benefit nonprofit corp to a mutual benefit nonprofit corp in 2021? And who instigated this conversion? On what date was the county administration formally notified of the CBB's conversion from public benefit nonprofit corp to mutual benefit nonprofit corp? Does the county CEO and county council understand the legal implications of transient occupancy tax revenue being distributed to a falsely represented nonprofit corporation or that these public funds will now legally belong to members of a mutual benefit nonprofit corp? Who are the members of this mutual benefit nonprofit corp being funded with our public tax dollars? What is the date of the current bylaws of the mutual benefit nonprofit corp? What were the circumstances enabling the misrepresented tourism promotion agreement with the CVB to errantly signed by County Council Edwards, Board Chair Tofanelli, and the CVB's Board of Director President Morgan Gotche of a non-existent public benefit nonprofit corporation? Why is this legal and fiscal malfeasance occurring on your watch? The answer to the last question is, in a word, corruption. I demand this board remove Agenda 9 from today's consent agenda, rescind the CVB's tourism promotion agreement, and schedule a public hearing regarding credible allegations of fraudulent misrepresentation and deceptive business practices by the CVB. Thank you very much. Is there any other public comment on this item? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the board. Does any board member wish to remove this item from the agenda? Hearing none, I'm looking for a motion for item number nine. Moved. A motion by Supervisor Fallendor. Second. Second by Supervisor Garamendi. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Passes 4 0, with one absent. One, oh, one, one dissension. 3 0, 1, 1. And also, Chair, if I could, I should have recused myself also from item number 10. You're recusing yourself yeah. from 10? Yeah, please. Okay. We move on to item number 10. This is uh, approve a resolution adopting fiscal year 2023-24 county budget for distribution of transit occupancy taxes to the Calaveras Chamber of Commerce. Chris, you pulled this one again? 
Today's my day. My name is Christopher Butner. My website is calaveras2024election.com. Agenda item 10, concerning transient occupancy tax distribution to the Calaveras Chamber of Commerce must be removed from today's consent agenda due to credible allegation of deceptively worded agenda item and backroom dealings between the Board of Supervisors and the Chamber. Before this board on March 14, 2023, I allege the Chamber's funding request was a mischaracterized board agenda item that was a pretext for a $50,000 gift from county transient occupancy tax funds. Derelict of duty to protect public funds in spite of my repeated vocal and written opposition statements between March 14, 23 and today, the Board of Supervisors on June 27, 2023 approved $50,000 contribution to the Chamber from TOT revenue. Today I'm asking you legal questions derived from credible allegations of misrepresentation and backroom dealings. Does this board know that on March 4th, 2023, Deputy CEO Marcos Muniz via email expressed concern to the President of the Chamber, Sherry Roish, that the informational item inappropriately included a request for TOT funding? Does this board know Chamber President Sherry Roish responded by email to Deputy CEO Muniz's concern, informing him that he was encouraged by a few supervisors to mention the request in her presentation. Does this board know that on March 10th, 2023, Kathy Galino, County Director of Economic and Community Development, complained to Martin Hubbardy via text message that they can't ask for money during an informational item stating she was really upset. Is the board aware that I published to my website a detailed analysis of the Chamber's IRS filings for 18 years from 2004 to 2021, revealing an organization operating at a deficit for 10 of 18 years? Why did this board ignore my June 24, 2023 written request to disclose the Chamber's 2022 and 23 financial performance as a matter of government fiscal transparency? Is the board aware of the glaring appearance of conflict of interests and loyalties having three currently sitting supervisors as former leadership of the chamber? Why is this legal and fiscal malfeasance occurring on your watch? The answer to that last question is, in a word, corruption. I demand that this board remove agenda item 10 from today's consent agenda, withhold $50,000 in TOT funds from the chamber, and schedule a public hearing regarding credible allegations of misrepresentation and deceptive business practices by the chamber concerning its funding request and the backroom dealings of the Board of Supervisors. My website is calaveras2024election.com. Thank you. Is there, any, is there any other public comments on this item? Uh, good morning, Al Sagano, Taxpayer Association. Um, thank you for the opportunity to comment on this item. I'm a chamber member and have been for many, many years, and I do support the chamber very much. There's um, principles involved in what go behind accusations of uh, graft or anything like that. Um, well, the chamber is a private organization, it's not a government party. As a private organization, it needs to earn its support from its own membership or other those, but not access to tax money. Tax money is a different kind of money. It's money that's taken by force from people. In the case of uh, a transit auxiliary tax or sales tax, 
the money's taken, and there's no accountability for it once the money's taken. And so the, uh, the chamber leadership is almost forced to become a quasi-political body to campaign with the board of supervisors or any other government entity that it wants to get money from. This does not make sense. And we need to have accountability to the membership. And so uh, I recommend that uh, this item be pulled and reconsidered. Thank you. Any other public comment? Is there any online? There is none online as far as I can see, and the phone is not ringing. Okay, I'll bring it back to the board. Is there any does the board member wish to pull this item off the agenda for today? Hearing none, um, I'm open for a motion for item number 10. Moved. A motion by Supervisor Fallendorf. Second. Second by Supervisor Garamendi. All in favor? Aye. 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 Passes 3011. Okay. Move on to item number 14. This is a resolution from Human Resources adopt a resolution approving the side letter with Deputy Sheriff's Association or the DSA increasing base compensation from Sheriff Recruit Trainee. Deputy Sheriff 1 2, Corporal and Sergeant. Judy, you pulled this item for discussion. Yes, good morning, Chair Tofanelli, members of the board. Um, I did pull these items so that we could have a discussion over uh, the reason that this item was brought forward. And um, so the sheriff has been before your board several times discussing the concerns over public safety, our high vacancy rates within the sheriff's department with our deputies. Um, right now we are, it's almost like the arms race who makes it to the moon first, who can get the most deputies among all of our neighboring counties. It, we have a extreme amount of law enforcement that is exiting that career field. And so with the labor shortage that we already have, and then um, those type of exodus, we are seeing shortages everywhere. We all have seen news articles where cities have had to declare local emergencies because they don't have enough deputies. So we are trying to get in front of a looming crisis with, with our deputies and make sure that we do have competitive wages compared to our neighboring counties and who we are losing our deputies to. Uh, recently, Tuolumne gave a 10% increase for their deputies and their MOUs are up here shortly. And so we are just trying to make sure we have the, the safest county that we, we can for our residents. And um, so that was the purpose of, of bringing this forward. We are in the middle of a class and comp study. I'm not saying that we don't have other positions that are out of line. We do, we know that. We do have other, uh, other positions we will be bringing um, to the board to speak to, but right now this is something that was uh, very important to our sheriff, to the board, and I was asked to bring, bring forward. Thank you. Sheriff, you want to you have a comment or two that you want to speak of? Uh, no, at this point, um, I'll defer to what uh, Judy said. And I will state that uh, if you remember in the conversations that we've had in the last meetings, that you folks are not competing with um, 
the, the regions. I know that you know, I was a union president for many, many years. And there was always that in, in between, um, between the union, the problem we have now is the other counties and municipalities we just so high we just can't compete. If we don't do something to rectify that problem, we're not going to have any values uh, to maintain the water on our streets. Um, I've come up with a pretty ingenious way to do that with no cost to the general fund. Um, if we want to talk about that, we can. Um, but at this point, I'll defer that to the board. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Uh, I'll open for public contract. Andrea, now. Uh, I will just speak on all three of the resolutions at once. I don't need to repeat the same public comment over and over. I don't like the sound of my voice that much. Um, so good morning, uh, everybody. Just when I think we're progressing a little bit and trying to build some trust, I remember this is Calaveras County and gaslighting and playing by the rules is not part of the MO here. Um, we were told in no uncertain terms that there would be no wage increases until the class and comp study was completed in January 2024. Furthermore, due to the dire budgetary situation the county was in, they would be looking at those who are more difficult, most difficult to recruit first, meaning a classification would be far below the median, but they might not receive an increase because there was not enough money. I want to be crystal clear. We do not begrudge our sisters and brothers in the Sheriff's Department for their wage increase at all. They, like most Calaveras County employees, are overworked and underpaid. Where the CEO and the board fall short is thinking the Sheriff's Department alone is responsible for public safety. If we are serious about public safety, we need to look about raising the wages for all Calaveras County employees. Those who pave and plow the roads you drive on, those who protect the abused and neglected children and elderly, those who help to suffer, those suffering from mental health crises and drug abuse, our members who assist the unhoused population and those who have food insecurity. All of those workers are underpaid and overworked, and they all contribute to public safety. What I and the rest of the members of SEIU 1021 have come to say is enough is enough. We are sick and tired of you playing by a different set of rules and gaslighting us and telling us, gaslighting us when we call you on it. We are tired of getting the crumbs of what's left over, and we refuse to take it anymore. There are over 50 people that signed in here this morning. We are done. We are done. And we refuse to take it anymore. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, we hear you. Is there any other public comment on this item? <clears throat> well, I'm Sigourney, Taxpayer Association. Uh, it seems to be a hard one. It, it seems to me 
that one of the most important functions of government is public safety. If you look at your constitutions, you'd see Amendment 5 and 14, a very clear definition of human rights and what the purpose of the American form of government is. Those rights are defined as life, liberty, and property. <clears throat> of the different organizations that you're responsible for, how many closely are supporting that purpose? I think the sheriffs, sheriffs uh, are perhaps number one. And of course, the fire people are close to that too, as far as public safety. Is that there needs to be a connection between funding and responsibility to the taxpayers if you're using taxpayer money. And it gets a little complicated when we talk about competing salaries. But as I understand it, um, I'm looking at the, the rather CCWD, which has similar problems, and I try to understand as best I can. But it, it seems like the government movies are trying to uh, match the, uh, or, or maybe not exceed more than 5% the uh, compensation that other counties are doing of our type and size. If that's the case, then it makes sense that we pour enough money to these wealthy uh, people to keep them here and so they can, we can provide these services in the future. If we lose our, our people, especially our key people, the consequences could go into years ahead and it be disastrous. Thank you. Any other public comments? Hi, good morning. Um, my name is Jennifer Herndon, and I am a county employee as well as your SEIU president. And I'm here to speak to you today because a lot like what Andrea said, I just want to put a little backstory to it. Um, we have worked with the county, we've worked with HR forever, and we have tried to align with the needs and the wants and the capabilities of the county. We've been told that funding won't allow raises when we've negotiated for years. We've been told class and comp studies. We've been told a lot, and we go to our membership on a monthly basis, and we communicate that back to the membership, and their frustration is what you're seeing here today. Um, they, they feel like they are the stepchildren of the county. They feel that they are, are, are like a dog on a porch that's getting kicked. And we, we only have the message that we're given to give to them each month. And when class and comp studies and promises are left uh, unresolved, 
then they're, they're, they're frustrated. They're very, very frustrated. When raises are given to electeds, to management, to select few, although those are very deserving raises and the Sheriff's Department does deserve all that they can get, there is a level of frustration here that I've never seen before and I want to convey that message to you. Um, we are all underpaid. We are. We can't wait anymore. We can't wait because I think there's a lack of trust that if we wait any longer, then the, the, the piece of pie is going to get that much smaller and then there's going to be no raises for us in two years when it comes time to start negotiating. So I, I want you to know that level of frustration and we, we simply want to work with you, but I want to elevate that to you. Um, if, there's, if there's a way that there's money available now and raises can be given, let's sit down and let's open and let's renegotiate because our 3% a year is not enough. It's not feeding our families, it's not keeping our workers satisfied and it's not, um, it's not allowing recruitment that we know it's not it's not allowing uh, the recruitment of open positions and it's not maintaining the current positions that need to be maintained so thank you for your consideration any other public comments seeing none in the room is there any online there is no online that i can tell and the phone has not rang at all you what there's no phone comment there's either no okay all right, I will bring it back to the board. Um, is there any staff, and Judy, you want to say anything? Teresa, any comments? So one of the things I do, I do want to make sure and say that we do have the greatest employees of all the counties around us. And we do want to make sure that we listen to their concerns and we are working through, we are on target for our classification and comp study. We will be bringing information, uh, an update back to the board on October 24th. We will have people from Evergreen here to, to discuss where we're at with the board. And you know this. This, like I said, we do have the greatest employees, but we do have a, a process right now, and we have been addressing individual positions. So, so if I could, I'd like to echo what um, Judy just said. We are looking at additional positions right now. We do have some classifications that are very difficult to recruit for. Some of those are SEIU positions. Um, we do have some criteria that we've been using to evaluate just so that we can make sure that we are able to operate um, until the class and comp study is finished. Right now, what we're looking at are um, where we have higher than normal vacancy rates, very high vacancy rates in some of our departments. And then also, once we determine that we're unable to recruit, then we look at compensation and then we work with the department to see how we can offset those costs. That's one of the things that we did with the Sheriff's Department. There is for the next two years at least, not a cost to the general fund from the sheriff's raises. So um, the sheriff was very good at working with us and cutting his budget back in order to accommodate the raises that he needed in order to recruit. Right now, Judy, how many deputies is he down? Like So right today, we're down 14, but we do have other resignations. And we're expected to be down, I know, at least two more shortly. Uh, Brett, I don't know if you've heard of any others. Uh, if I can comment to that, actually, um, we have seven vacant positions right now. 
um, that includes the six that we have in the police academy that will be graduating at the end of this month. I've got uh, one vacant corporal position, six vacant deputy, uh, one and or two positions, um, and I am soon to be down two sergeants um, that are both going to be leaving the department for my sons. Okay. Any uh, board comments? Um, I, I want to say, I will say this, and, and I, um, I gave the state of the county speech uh, to the chamber at their state of the county breakfast. I, I asked if there was other public comments and nobody stood up and came to the mic. That's why I brought it back to staff and the board. I'll give you an opportunity, but I'll tell you what, we're going to be doing items number 15 and 16 individually. So if you want to come up then, they're more or less the same, but we're doing them individually. You can come up then. And please, if I say any more public comments and I see, see none, then I go over to her online. That's the end of public comments. So make sure if you want to speak, that, you know, and I'll, I'll try the best I can to, but I have to follow what rules we have set. So, um, but I did want to say that I did give a speech at the state of the county. And I, I tell you what, I praised all the staff, all of them, from the department heads down to staff, everyday workers, and how great of, of a, um, a county and employees that we have right now. Things are running very smoothly, and that's attributed to you guys and the work that you do every day. Uh, truly, if, if um, when we get the comp study back, or even we're looking at some of the positions right now um, that we're desperately needing to recruit, because you guys are working trying to fill other positions, um, we are trying to accommodate that. And and when the comp study comes back, we we be dealing with you guys on that outside of your contract for crazy. I, and I think that's one of the ones that we're looking at right now, coming back on the 24th. So, um, okay, I, I can't, uh, when we go to the next item, but I, I did I did praise all of staff and all of you guys for the everyday work that you do. Um, I just wanted to mention that to you because I really believe you guys do a great job, absolutely. Um, so with that, I'll bring it back to the board. Oh, we have a motion or other comments? Have a motion on this item? So moved. A motion by Supervisor Garamendi. Do I have a second? Second. A second by Supervisor Fallendorf. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Passes 4-0-1. We move on to item number 15. Uh, Judy, this is a resolution to adopt a resolution. Um, this is a resolution from Human Resources to adopt a resolution approving a side letter with Sheriff's Management Unit, SMU, increasing base compensation for the classification lieutenant, correctional lieutenant, and captain. Judy. Thank you, Chair Tofanelli. And this item um, was pulled for discussion and to also clarify that the severe compaction, because of giving the increases to our, our deputies, corporals, and sergeants, 
that we did have to make sure that we had, uh, that we increased also our lieutenants, correctional officers, and captain, um, I'm sorry, correctional lieutenant and captain to keep them um, the compaction from being um, severe or our sergeants making more than our lieutenants. The big difference there is our sergeants are hourly employees, they are paid hourly and that our uh, lieutenants are exempt and they do not get that hourly wage. And right now, you know, with our vacancies, um, trying to get sergeants to move up to lieutenants or, you know, into other higher levels is very difficult because they're, they're giving up a large amount for the amount of work that they're doing. And so that's why this is being brought forward. Thank you, Judy. All right, public comments. Public comments on this item. There you go. Sorry about that. That's okay. Hi, I'm Tracy Mandel, and I work with Health and Human Services, and I've been there for a little over five and a half years, and uh, I have seen our department go from fully staffed to uh, barely making it in our community is suffering because of it. Uh, we have very few people in our office working over, over time, over hours, staying late, not because we feel we have to, but because we want to. This is our community. We all live in this county. I live here in San Andreas, and I see the changes that it makes here in this town. Um, we are suffering not only in the county offices, but in this community, because we can't keep people here to do the work when they can go to McDonald's and flip burgers for $21 an hour and they can't even get hired here. It's 17, $17.98, I think, is the hiring. The stress level that comes along with this, not only is our position in trouble, but our health and our mental stability that goes along with it and the abuse that we take from the public when we can't do the things that we're supposed to do because we are shorthanded is extreme. And our office is in crisis, and I don't think people really truly understand what we're doing there and how it is suffering. Thank you. Good morning, board. Jennifer Pruden, Supervisor, Health and Human Services. Um, I'm here in support of all of our staff. I'm here in support of all of our county staff. Everybody is struggling right now. We're all struggling. I sat in front of you um, every morning when we talk about CalFresh awareness. People in these purple shirts are in the federal poverty level even though they're county employees. Let's talk about that. Okay? They're still on Medi-Cal. They're still receiving CalFresh and they're working for us, we have to do better. We have to do better for all of our staff across the board, not one department. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Any public comments on this item? Okay, there's none in the room, online. There is none online as far as I can tell and none on the phone. Okay, I'll bring it back to the board. Judy, you have any final words you'd like to say? Uh, no, except for the fact that you know. Once again, I do know that that we 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 have some some bridge issues across the county, and we are working on them. 
All right. They'll be coming to the board? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll look for those sometime in October. Okay. All right. Uh, Martin, Supervisor Hubbard, your light is oh, on. Oh, sorry. Anything to talk? No? Okay. Um, since there's no comments, I will make a comment again. I, I understand. And we are working on some of the items that you're speaking of today. Uh, we're well aware of HHS and some other items that will be coming back to this board. Um, and uh, public safety is not only the sheriff, I agree, correctional things you do in HHS, dealing with the public. Um, this item is here. The sheriff uh, gave up some items in order for this to, uh, out of his budget, to pay for these raises over at least the next two years, and then we'll go forward from there on how we're going to deal with it from that point. But he did uh, take from his budget uh, to pay for these. So it's not just cut out of the general fund anymore. It would take a four-fifths vote for us to do that. What's happening here is, um, again, he's taking money out of his budget to pay for the raises. So with that being said, I'm open for a motion on item number 15. So Motion by Supervisor Garamendi. Second. Second by Supervisor Fallendorf. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes 4-0 with one absent. Move on to item number 15. This is a resolution from Human Resources to adopt a resolution approving the salary increase to the base wage of the undersheriff. Judy, you pulled this item. Yes, thank you, Chair Tiffany. Um, this item, because right now there is a severe compaction between our captain and undersheriff, and in some cases the captain can currently make more than the undersheriff. And so we are to keep in line um, the compaction between the positions. We are asking to adjust the undersheriff. I'll give it a minute for the room. Okay, is there anybody, any board comments or questions on this item? Seeing that, I'll open it to public comment. Is there public comment on this item? Seeing none in the room, is there any online? There is none online and there is none on the phone. Okay, I'll bring it back to the board. I'm open for a motion for item number 16. Move. A motion by Supervisor Fallendorf. Second. Second by Supervisor Hubney. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes 4-0-1 absent. Thank Jerry Coffin, if I may? Yes. Uh, I was hoping uh, I could say something before the uh, SEI you folks left, but obviously I didn't speak up soon enough. Um, I understand uh, the county as a whole, um, all the other employees, we work with HHS very closely, probation, the rule department, when the snow removal times come, we work them a lot. So I feel for all of those folks. Um, I just wanted to let the other union, SEIU union, know, and all the other folks that work within the county that I understand their concerns and I feel for them. And I know that you folks um, uh, with the class and class study that's coming up. You make adjustments as you can, where you can. Um, but as a department head, 
in charge of public safety, which I understand was a good point, but everybody is part of public safety, which we all are. I needed, as your sheriff, to do what I could to stop losing personnel so that I could keep our streets safe today. Um, so I, I actually went to um, the DSA, I went to the SMU women, and I talked to them and I said, hey, here's some things that I can give up, but it's going to impact you being new vehicles that we're going to be giving up. Um, and some other things that we've done um, so that they could get these uh, raises to bring them up to where people are not going to want to leave this department. So they're the ones that actually stepped up to the plate and said, yes, we will go without these things. And um, so they worked with me so that I could go to you folks to say, look, here's what the sheriff's department is willing to do to get our folks to raise us so we're not losing staff. Um, we did a similar thing with the correctional uh, technicians and the correctional um, officers, and our recruitment has gone through the roof. Um, we're now gaining ground uh, expeditiously and getting people hired so that our staffing roles are starting to go away there. Um, I believe that this is going to certainly help our department as far as putting cops out on the streets um, because we're, there's a mental health crisis and I understand the mental health workers are very, very good at their job. I've worked very closely with them when I was actually on the streets, but they're not going to go deal with somebody who's standing in a doorway with a knife or a gun without us there. So we need to have cops on the street. Um, when the snowplow drivers are out there plowing snow, they call us to get the roads cleared, get the cars cleared off of the roads so that they can plow the roads. They call us. So again, I'm not discounting the jobs that they do. I appreciate their working with us, um, but they need to understand that I needed to do something because we're in such a, a crisis state status right now for putting values on the street. And I'm still in the same boat with the dispatchers that are in their union. I have 12 dispatchers allotted to me. I've got seven working because one of them is out on long-term disability. Um, and it's hard to run 24 seven with seven people. I've got patrol staff working extra to work in dispatch to keep the county going. So there's a lot more sacrifices that the sheriff's office personnel are doing that I don't think that the SEI union really understands. So I just want to be upfront um, with everybody that I understand their concerns that I did what I needed to do to try and support my department, which in turn supports the whole county. So thank you. Thank you, Sheriff. And we will move on from the consent agenda to the regular agenda. Um, do you need time to set up? Uh, well, we have, she's on, she's on Zoom. So this is a informational item. Receive a presentation from Mia O'Connell of O'Connell and Dempsey regarding federal agent advocacy on behalf of 
Calaveras County and provide guidance on county priorities for 23-24 legislative year. Mia, how are you? Supervisor, how are you? Good. Good. It's good to see you and good to see everyone today. Can you hang on one second, Mia? We here he's going to set up. Fantastic. Thank you. You good? Here's all that I have two things to be confirmed. <laughs> okay, Mia, you're up. Okay, fantastic. I can't see everybody right now, I guess, because we're sharing the screen, but um, hopefully we'll, we'll get to that. Good morning. Thank you so much for allowing me to present today and for your support of our efforts together. I really appreciate it. Today, I come before you to present the draft federal legislative platform for Calaveras County for your consideration and direction. The draft legislative platform is based on last year's platform, revised to reflect current conditions in view of what opportunities they can have in the near term for the county. I know we only have a limited period of time, so I thought we would work from the executive summary of the presentation before you, rather than walk through the whole document piece by page most of our time together to be dedicated to the discussion and direction by the board. So without any further ado, let's get started. And I do want to thank Marcus for having the slides today so we could focus on the discussion. Further, what I'd like to do is to run through all of the priorities for discussion and direction if that works for everyone. Um, assuming so, uh, let's kick it off on page three of the executive summary. We see the first priority issue of the board, forest management and fuels reduction. Of course, this is an area where stemming from the Butte fire and well before the county has been engaged in an aggressive effort to remove hazardous trees through its own efforts and also under the good neighbor agreement with the status national forest. This is the tree mortality program that the county is proceeding with for fuels reduction and forest management work on national forest parcels. And of course, the county will be paid for those activities by the forest service under our agreement. Given the significant funding in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which is about $1.8 billion, and the high level of funding in the annual appropriations bill, on top of that, now about $200 million for fiscal year 2024 for forest restoration and wildfire prevention activities. The recommendation here is to continue to aggressively pursue these agreements, and we will continue to assist the county in working with the Stanislaus Forest leadership and pushing for approvals when good neighbor agreements and supplemental project agreements are being pursued by the county. In turn to the next priority issue, transportation funding state route for wagon trail realignment project, Eastern segment. As the county works to successfully find the key remaining elements of the wagon trail project, most recently with the 5.2 million for the right of way and design of the wagon trail project. We will work closely to brief public works department and CCOG on key funding opportunities at the federal level. The recommendation here is for action in the upcoming year. Um, the right of way and design work is underway, along with the development of an evacuation study. But we will 
continue to work to assist the county. And this time we'll be pursuing a grant this coming spring for construction funding under DOT's Promoting Resilient Operations for Transportation, Efficient and Cost-Effective Savings Transportation Program, otherwise known as PROTECT, which specifically includes evacuation routes as a type of key eligible project under this program. We are monitoring the grants that DOT will be awarding here in this first year for the PROTECT program to determine what's being selected in order to inform the county's grant application, which will focus on the project's role as an evacuation route for the area. Um, and we will also describe the use of the route by disadvantaged communities, which is a priority for this administration. In addition, we'll be focusing on preparing and engaging the congressional delegation to support the county's grant application, and we'll be advising DOT's Office of the Secretary that we are pursuing funding for this evacuation route in order to raise the profile of the request. As many of the supervisors know, we have discussed this project with the Secretary's Office in the past, and they have thought this PROTECT program would be a good fit for our project. The third priority issue outlined on page three and four focuses on flood protection at Cosgrove Creek. As a result of the presidentially declared disaster in the county in January of this year, the level of water of Cosgrove Creek again reached significant levels with the usually 25-foot wide body of water expanding to about 150 feet, leading to damage to homes and businesses and major flooding in the community. Not only were the winter storms causing flooding, damaging homes, businesses, and rendering homes unfit for housing, we have reason to believe that the releases from the Hogan Reservoir, coupled with the back-to-back -back storms, will increase the damages to our area. The flooding not only threatened lands, but caused stream bank erosion leading to excessive sedimentation and resulting in significant debris and sediment, along with small trees being caught up and collected around a number of bridges along Cosgrove. This led to emergency situations threatening roadways and emergency transportation throughout the area. County leadership and the consultant met repeatedly with the Corps from February on, and the Corps has identified an emergency permitting authority um, that the county could consider applying for to use on an emergency and one-time basis to remove the trees and shrubs and sediment around the bridges. Upon further investigation, however, it was identified that the work would require an outside consultant to prepare an engineering plan for the permit. And further, it was recently determined that the sediment removal work, which would be done at county expense, would probably only be temporary in nature. In addition, and at the request of the court, the county and our team put together a package of data and time photos, videos, and articles regarding the January flooding to show the correlation between the flooding on Cosgrove Creek and the releases by the Corps of New Hogan Reservoir during the winter storms. County leadership requested that the Corps use this information in its update of the New Hogan Water Control Manual to determine if a change in operation should be made at New Hogan Reservoir the Corps regarding the timing of its releases. The recommended action here will be to work 
and continue to work with the Common Public Works Department to support its search for long-term resolution for sedimentation and vegetation issues at the creek. Also, the city of McKinney to engage in the public comment and public participation for the course update of the New Haven Water Control Manual to seek relief for the community regarding the timing of releases of water from New Hogan Dam by the Corps of Engineers. The fourth priority issue regarding FEMA's efforts is at page four of the executive summary and focuses on the counties and the consultants' efforts in working with FEMA. In the immediate aftermath of the January storms, we work closely with county leadership and the county's Office of Emergency Services to work to have Calaveras County added to the list of counties eligible for individual, then public assistance under the disaster declaration through our efforts with the congressional delegation. This was a successful effort. And further over the last several years, we've worked closely with the county's Department of Emergency Services to push the California Office of Emergency Services and FEMA to secure FEMA's approvals of the county's various private claims as a result of disasters. Our recommendation here is for us to continue to support the county's effort with Cal OES and FEMA through our work with the congressional delegation and with the agencies directly in working to secure approval of the county's projects. The fifth priority issue identified at page five is the pursuit of federal infrastructure funding. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and the ongoing appropriation bills on top of that that focus dollars and attention on key issues for the county, including funding for transportation, Corps of Engineers flood control in other areas, Department of Agriculture programs, including sewers management and community health programs. The recommendation here is for us to continue to work with the county in pursuing federal funds stemming from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and annual appropriation bills in the transportation arena for the wagon trail project, in the agriculture and fuel reduction arenas for additional funds for good neighbor agreements, in the health facilities construction and equipment and community facility space, including funding for the HHSA Public Health Division facility, and flood protection and efforts around Cosgrove Creek and disaster mitigation through FEMA funding for county projects. The sixth priority issue of the county, found on page four of the executive summary, is the potential federal funding sources for the county's health and human services agencies, in particular, the Public Health Division. With the receipt of the $22.6 million for the county's behavioral health integrated service site, the consultant has been working closely with county administrative leadership um, to determine whether there were federal funding opportunities to build on this behavioral health facility in some way to house the county's public health division. We have identified a number of programs which the county could seek funds for through a community-directed spending or request to our congressional delegation, and we've discussed these opportunities of seeking fiscal year 2025 funds in working with Senator Feinstein and Senator Purdue's offices. The recommendation here is to pursue funding of funding earmark in the Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Service Administration under the Health Facilities Construction and Equipment Program or under the Rural Health Program. Both accounts will allow for grants for construction for projects to improve healthcare services. We will continue to work 
with Marcos and with Hitchcock to determine if the contract for the behavioral health facility would allow for federal funds to be added to the facility to accommodate additional health-related activities in the county, such as an additional floor dedicated to the county's public health division. The seventh priority issue of the county is entitled Water Resources, and it's found on page five of the executive summary. Where the county has been engaged with the Corps with regard to Cosgrove Creek and finding solutions there, the board has also expressed interest in supporting other county agencies' water and wastewater efforts to encourage continuing development within the county. These efforts could also include cooperative work to support projects to address the groundwater sustainability agency's efforts to manage the groundwater resources in the county and reach out to groundwater in the county as well. So the recommendation here is in addition to pursuing flood protection solutions along Cosgrove Creek, is that the board would continue to encourage efforts to work with county agencies to support their water and wastewater projects to provide for continuing development in the county and further, that the board would also support efforts to promote projects that are necessary to address the needs identified through the groundwater sustainability agency's work to manage the county's groundwater resources and to recharge groundwater in the county. And then I'd like to turn it back to the board for questions and your direction. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mia. And it looks, it looks like all the construction in your home is completed finally. <laughs> yes, we suffered through that and went into the other side. Thank you. <laughs> Any board questions or comments? Will we go forward on all the items that she spoke about, which is what we've been for the previous couple of years we've been. Yes, I, uh, Chair, I just had a quick question uh, about FEMA reimbursement. I don't know if that comes yes. to Mia's. Mia's uh, job description, but is that something that we could talk about? Absolutely. I also had a question regarding uh, the FERC licensing, if that's something that we could look um, for help with, with getting rid of the uh, FERC licensing that we have with Utica that was brought up. What's the question? Utica, Utica water, sorry, Martin, go ahead. Okay. Uh, for the last, I don't know, it's been about seven plus years, uh, Utica, which is Utica Water Power Authority, um, has been investigating um, numerous uh, options um, to get out of the, get out from under folk um, due to with just such a small entity, um, the cost is just astronomical, and um, it's just really burdening the agency to uh, daily operations because of the FERC, FERC um, licensing fees and regulations, and it's just a huge chunk out of out of the, um, the membership, the JPA. So for those of you that don't know, Utica Water and Power is a JPA between the City of Angels and um, Union um, Public in Murphy's. And they have made some strides um, the last couple of years um, to really get heard 
at the federal level to start um, working towards a FERC exemption. Um, so they will still be they will still be providing water. They will still be operating the powerhouse. Um, it's just an exemption request, which I think will be coming to the board in the next um, couple months um, from uh, UWPA uh, regarding this. But so um, Martin, is there something that more other than just a letter um, and a conversation, uh, presentation, can we start um, helping them with um, at this level to help uh, lobby and support the exemption um, of folk? Supervisor Garamendi. <laughs> I agree with Supervisor Hubbard and Farnworth and that this is an important thing. And certainly because their projects are less than three megawatts, they should be FERC exempt. It's a legacy thing that came along with it. My only concern would be applying our limited resources with MIA to an organization that we're not a joint power, we're not a member of. Um, I don't, that doesn't mean it's not important to our county. It just does that, where does that sit on seven items? Uh, I certainly would support a letter. Um, and we, we, we met MIA through CCWD. We did. So we know how to work together with our public utilities. Um, Maybe we can find out a similar method. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's important. I just don't know how we do it. I don't think the intent um, is to use our contract with Mia to have be lobbying for them. But if there's an opportunity under this section that just came up regarding um, water and supporting a, a not just UCWD but all of our utility districts um, in ensuring that they know they're supported by the county and when they come up like yes we do support it and we have a letter here it is and but i'm not i don't think the intent is me is going to be walking around knocking on doors it's just making sure that um we're encumbering we're, we're covering all of the utility districts that are acting for support to leverage that um you know that we're unified um at the at that level that we are working together where we do support them and whether we need to do outside of a letter other than using our resources, but um, we're, we're unified in supporting this endeavor for them. I agree, and we got Valley Springs, uh, we got CPUD, uh, we've, got, we've got a lot of needs okay. in this county. Yeah. Martin, did I cover that? Yeah, that's perfect, thank you. <laughs> okay, good explanation. Any other comments by the board? Seeing none, I'll open up public comments. Is there public comments on this item? Seeing none in the room, is there any online? Before you go, there's just one thing. It was kind of hard to follow because there was nothing written for the public to see. That was kind of hard to see and follow. So just a hint, we used to provide copies of things like that. All right, um, none online. There is none online and nobody is calling in. Okay, I'll bring it back to the board. Um, there's seven items here, uh, forest management and fuel reduction, transportation funding, state route four wagon trail realignment project, the Eastern segment, uh, flood protection, Cod Cove Creek, the FEMA efforts, 
federal infrastructure funding, potential federal funding sources, Calaveras County Health and Human Services Agency and Public Health Division, and water resources. Those are basically the basic seven that we've had prior. And so are we looking to give direction to continue in all seven of these moving forward? Um, Supervisor Hebedee? Yes, please. Supervisor Garamendi? Yes. Supervisor Fondor? And I'm a yes too. So Mia, we're all in the same going forward. Um, I know some of these have taken a long time or still taking a long time, and sometimes it gets frustrating. I know, especially dealing with the Cosgrove Creek one, um, dealing with different agencies, trying to get things done and then trying to find the funding to do it. But I think if we keep at it, eventually we'll win and get things done. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we put funding in the budget um, that will clear the vegetation um, down all the way down to Silver Rapids, um, which will be a good benefit. But again, um, we're looking at a very wet winter um, mm -hmm. with the predictions that are going on right now with El Nino. So um, hopefully that helps somewhat. I can't say uh, even, you know, last year, the whole state flooded basically. So uh, at least we're having right. some efforts to do that. And then we'll try and go forward. You did mention some of the project, one project that we determined that might be temporary. Um, I, I think we need to look at the whole picture and then get the permits and then um, look for the funding once we have that as we go forward, um, maybe through FEMA or some other federal agency that we can go to. Those are my comments. Uh, Teresa, you have um, I do not. I just want to thank Ms. O'Connell for her great work on this. Um, she's been a pleasure to work with, and I know that uh, Marcus and I have appreciated her um, work ethic, so thank you, Mia. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your support. Appreciate that, Teresa. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mia, and um, you have the same seven, so you've been working on them, so you know what to do. And again, thank you for your presentation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your support. It's a pleasure to be here with you again. Thank you. All right. So we will move on to um, the next item, which is item number 23, and we'll take a five-minute break between this item and the next item. Item number 23, this is an informational item from the administrative office as we receive a presentation from Public Access Television. Jamie and Sarah, you guys are up. Good morning, Chairman and members of the board. My name is Jamie Andrea Leonard, the Principal Analyst in the Administration Office. And with me today is Sarah Armstrong Gardner, um, our Public Access TV Program Coordinator. 
let's get started with talking about the history of public access. Public access channels are just what the name implies. They're channels for local public betterment in use. They embody the principles of free speech and community voices in a changing media landscape. They were made possible by Cable Franchise Franchising Policy and Communications Act passed by Congress and enacted in 1984. The need for local public channels on the then new cable systems was debated since the late 1960s, with many versions of the Cable Act being introduced. Because of that, many local governments had already requested and been granted cable channels for their communities by that time the Cable Act was passed. The channels are requested for local use by local governments and can be a public channel, a government channel, an educational channel, or any combination thereof. So public access TV channels, um, or so how did public access TV channels come to Calaveras? Simply put, through the actions of Paul Moeller, Paul Moeller is the father of Calaveras Community TV and was a tireless advocate for the positive power of television programming. Through his efforts, the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors requested their first cable channel in 1981, which was a public channel that um, and that year, local programming began. That channel is still cable casting on Channel 7. Paul was the driving force behind the creation of Calaveras Community TV, which is a nonprofit that built the studio with all volunteer labor. The studio opened in 1991, and we are still using it today. In 2000, the Calaveras County Board of Supervisors took over the operations of the studio and requested a government channel be added to the local lineup. Since then, PATV has operated both channels 7 and 9. How is PATV funded? Studio operational funds come through the County General Fund. It is, a it is a standard within PEG Access Arena for local governments to allocate a percentage of the cable franchise fees for this purpose. The franchise fees are collected from the local cable provider for the use of public byways to later utility lines and are still based off of cable subscriptions even in this day and age of broadband. Other funding sources include the California Digital Infrastructure and Video Competition Act, otherwise known as DIDCA, which was enacted by the state of California in 2006. This is a dedicated funding stream that cannot be used for general operating expenses. PATV gets their funding by filming government agency meetings like Angels Camp and City Council meetings as well. PATV also sells copies of programs from their archive to the public. The nonprofit Calaveras Community TV is still active and historically has purchased equipment for the studios to use, like the digital cable cast playback system. So, where can you watch us? We cable cast on Xfinity channels 7 and 9, Volcano Communications channels 21 and 22, and Caltel channels 7 and 9. Our geographic coverage is in both Calaveras and Amador County. Subscriber and viewership.
In the PEG access world, the question of subscribers comes up frequently, and the reality is at this point, no PEG access facility has access to that information. The ability to get that information was not written into the Cable Act, and because of that, cable providers do not have to provide that information, and they don't. The California Public Utilities Commission is currently doing a large study about cable and broadband providers and the services that they are providing to their customers. This study is focusing on whether or not customers are getting the services in which they are paying for. As part of this study, the CPUC has requested and been given subscriber information for all cable and broadband customers in California. Because of this, when the study is released in mid-2024, for the first time, PEG access facilities like PTV will be able to see how many subscribers they have um, for their channels. You can watch PTV online, um, not just only through the cable channels. We are available on YouTube and Roku, Roku through the YouTube channel app and the Xfinity app. Online viewership. At PATV, we consider YouTube a third channel, and currently it is the only channel that is providing us with information on viewership data. In the last 90 days, our programming has been viewed 10.4 thousand times and 1,000 hours of watch time. Um, these slides, these next two slides are comparisons between YouTube viewer data um, for last year and, um, or I'm sorry, for February through May of last year and February through May of this year. Um, it's, so it's a 90 day time frame. As you can see, the number of views on the channel has gone from 7,000 views to 10.4 thousand views. The watch time has gone from 701 hours to 1,000 hours, and the subscription rate has gone from 647 to 928. Um, we're on other social media platforms, including the um, TikTok and X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also listen anywhere um, we have our podcast channel. Other broadcast services. We have an average of 50 public service announcement titles that run between programs. These provide information to our community about events and happenings. These are both graphic-based and video-based and are shown not only on our channels but across our social media platform as well. We also have an advisory message strip that is activated whenever there is an emergency in the county. So far from last year, advisory message strips have informed our community about heating centers, cooling centers, flooding, fires, and evacuation information. This strip not only goes out to our cable channels, but also is seen on the Xfinity as well. Closed captioning. Currently, we have an open captioning on all government meetings on our government channel. As technology advances and the price of closed captioning comes down, we are hoping to purchase new equipment in the future that will allow us to provide closed captioning over both channel streams. 
media training. PATD provides a variety of media training to the public. This includes the Content Creator Cafe that meets the third Wednesday of the month and gives participants the opportunity to learn new aspects of media creation in a relaxed and collaborative environment. In collaboration with the Manzanita Writers Press, PATD has taught Tech Tuesdays at the San Andreas Senior Center. In teaching this class, it became apparent that there was a further need for individual tech training for seniors. So now PATD offers individual training to seniors who make an appointment at the studio to help them with their tech and media questions. PATD offers regular media classes. Unfortunately, these have had a low attendance, so we do offer individual training to those who are interested. Our first intern has been a success. They came into the studio with very little media and office experience and within a month have learned um, storyboarding, basic media creation and editing, as well as being involved in the making of our regularly scheduled studio programs. Community group collaborations. PAT is always on the lookout for ways that they can collaborate better with community organizations. The Love Your Pet video contest was a collaboration with Friends of Calaveras Animal Services and Calaveras Community TV. There were 40 entries and almost as many who attended the screening and awards ceremony at the studio on February 11th of this year. This event raised over $400 that was split between both nonprofits. PATD is a support organization for grant award for a grant awarded to Manzanita Writers Press for the California Department of Humanities. This includes helping them film, film interviews for their oral history project so that the local history is not lost. This project will continue until the end of 2023, and they're aiming for at least 50 interviews of Calaveras County residents telling their experience of living in the area. Beyond the videos, the interviews will be turned into an audio history project and a book. Community programming. As more people rediscover PATV, as we are having more community members turn in programs and use the studio to produce their programs, we have 17 community producers who regular, regularly submit programs for playback. Some of these producers turn in programs a couple times a week, while some turn in every a few months. In addition to these, we have four community producers who regularly use the studio to film their programs. They come in at least once a month. Community producers have turned in about 170 programs for playback in the last 12 months. We also have four community producers who are working on documentaries who I haven't included in these numbers because they haven't turned in programs yet, but they do use the, UD, the studio space and equipment. With, when their projects are completed, they will air on our channel seven and on our YouTube channel. PATV typically films six plus local government meetings and town halls a month, including the Board of Supervisors, Planning Commission, the Council of Government Meetings, and the Angels Camp City Council. Community members can watch these on Channel 9, the YouTube channel, and listen on the podcast channel. Now the exciting part, the vision and opportunities. There are several opportunities within upgrades. Um, there is a major need for upgrading of the studio equipment, um, both at the studio and in our boardroom for our meetings. Um, I'm currently working with Sarah to create a three to five year um, capital plan um, utilizing that DIPCA funding that was talked about earlier. Um, community engagement. There's always opportunities within community um, engagement. We'd like to make sure that we are creating a greater partnership within um, 
PATB and Calaveras Community TB, as well as local departments, um, and getting them more involved with PATB and that collaboration. Um, making the studio a community hub, especially maybe even utilizing some of the partnerships with the school district. Grant opportunities. We're always looking for grant opportunities to help fund um, opportunities within PATV. Um, Sarah is actually applying for a grant this week through HHSA for a mini grant, um, would actually help bring tech services to seniors. Um, along with the community engagement, we talked on the partnerships. So growing partnerships with the school district, the visitors bureau, the chamber, um, that partnership synergy within departments. Um, if we could collaborate more with departments, we could limit the amount of duplication that's being done and have a broader reach with the information. Um, and then bringing back that intern and workforce development and growing that program even, even further than what it was last year for the first time. Government vision. Um, PATV brings transparency to the public with the government, and so we want to keep expanding that. Um, we'd like PATV to be at the town halls that are being put on. Um, OES has done several of those. The sheriff's office does them. Um, having PATV um, be more involved with the outreach with our upcoming projects like Parks and Rec um, and the things that economic, economic development is doing as well. Um, as we hone in on this vision and move forward, we'll have to look at staffing and what is needed in order to provide these extra services. Um, and then something else we're dedicated for doing in creating that um, government partnership is to make sure that we are bringing back quarterly updates to the board and telling you about the things that PATV is accomplishing. Um, at this time, I would like to give it over to Sarah for her to give you a little bit of information about her background um, and her vision and what she sees um, for PATV. Great. I think. There we go, I'm on. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Armstrong Gardner. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I love PATV. Sarah brought me on as a program coordinator, and I have now advanced into a full-time position. And I'm very excited about the future goals of PATV, especially with the education department getting youth back in. I first was introduced with CCTV back when I was in high school. Um, I attended one of their workshops. And 20 years later, I'm back here. And yeah, so my goal is to really get more kids back in. Uh, my heart is really with the youth. Um, I think we can turn it to a our educational hub, a creative hub, where we can have train these children, especially in social media and in YouTube and in broadcasting, and then advance them out to the world and then hopefully come back to Calaveras County once they are trained. So yeah, so I'm very, very excited. Perfect. And we welcome any questions or comments from the board. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Thank you, board members, for uh, help is supporting bringing this presentation forward. I know there was a bit of a temper temperature at the budget, and this is a compromise, and I thank you all for the indulgence. <laughs> I also want to thank Jamie for taking literally hours last week to walk me through every single step on this. And while we did not agree on some of the very big stuff, I think we both agreed that we're trying to figure out what's best for the county, and there was some good direction. So thank you very much for taking that time. Yes. Sarah, thank you. Um, you know, it's no secret. This is my seventh budget. We're closing up to we we closed up today, and I brought this up to every budget. The good news for my board members is there's only one more budget you have to hear me complain. 
and then, then I'll be on my way. But uh, my, I continue just to bring up the same points, and I don't expect anything to change. But the money that we put into this, which is roughly, well, how much general fund, Jamie? Marcos? I, I lean on Marcos. This year, it is just under $205,000. $205,000. And how much are we getting for equipment from the, from the uh, franchise fee? Um, we are receiving in the peg fees uh, $85,000. Those cannot be used for general operation, but equipment and the maintenance of the equipment. My, my point is that these are $200,000 that could support a patrol deputy. Uh, is $200,000 that could support CPS worker. Well, they're on different funding, but you get my points, roads, everything else. So, and my challenge is continues to be that and I appreciate the fact that we're talking about education because that's the only stretch I could make that makes your program tied to our strategic plan at all. Um, and so I appreciate that. Um, I will um, obviously bring this up again next budget, try to find two other people to join me. But short of that, I really do appreciate the fact that you are willing to reach out for continuing technical education to our school districts to our county board of education, um, since you know they oversee things like Mountain Oaks and uh, and um, River Academy, um, all these other programs, and I think that what you have is an opportunity to provide job training in a technical skill that may be able to help some of our students. And I would be, I would be, uh, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to vote for this, but I would be much more supportive of this program because my other problem with it in addition to not matching the strategic plan, is you really have no data saying who you're serving. Certainly the numbers, you, we admit to that. We don't know who we're serving. Uh, we don't know exactly what the role of PATV advisory and community support. So I'd really like to get those things tied up um, and who we're actually serving. Uh, we're spending $87,000 on equipment. That's money that we could conceivably use in IT to reach the same goals. $200,000 a year, those are monies that we could use to advertise, that we could use to our departments to help in creating professionally done and well thought out marketing materials to do recruitment. Uh, what we're talking about doing internally in PATV is an organic thing. Well, that's great, but that assumes that we're experts in HR recruiting. We may not be that. So I, I don't think this is a good use of our funds, but if we're going to spend them, I do appreciate the fact that you're willing to reach out and bring some value as linked to our strategic plan through continuing technical education of our students countywide. Uh, I know it's easy because we're Calaveras right here, but I think there are pretty, you know, some of our internships uh, from Calaveras sometimes happen on the other side of the county too. So we could figure, you can figure out how to do this. Um, that's my annual monologue, Mr. Chair. Thank you very much, board members, and and. Um, if any of the two of you ever want to join with me, uh, let me know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any other board comments? Supervisor Ballendorf? I just would like to say I'm really happy to see it evolving. Um, when I first got on the board, I had a little to jack points about the money. Where, <laughs> what were we investing in? Um, and I think it. Oh, while it wasn't popular, it helped us get to this point that we're at today. And updating the technology, working outside the um, 
get more creative. And like you mentioned, getting the kids involved because there isn't a lot of those type of opportunities. Um, and partnering up with the schools and other um, other organizations is a good thing. Um, and with all the tech issues, we have a high senior citizen population, and so it's nice to hear that they're getting support because um, I'm sure uh, that as technology is advancing, they're going to be needing more and more of that um, challenges, and they're going to need that support. Um, but overall, I just thank you for showing up to my town halls to make sure my constituents are seeing what I'm saying at my town hall, <laughs> as well as recording the board meetings and um, just being open to exploring other options to make this viable in the future. I just want to say thank you. I've uh, used the equipment multiple times. Uh, obviously, you guys have helped us out with interviews, and as uh, Supervisor Fallendorf was saying, with town halls, et cetera. Um, I see the work that you do, and I'm, I'm happy that you're there, and thank you. Thank you. Um, I continue to support this um, PEG TV um, number of years. I think it's 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 a good thing. Um, I, a lot of people in my district tell me they watch it. Um, just over the weekend at two fundraisers, I was told that they watched um, the last couple of meetings. Several people have said something to me. So I think the viewership, there may be what you're saying here from the YouTube may be outside, but I think if we start getting the numbers and like you said, in February, 2024, mm -hmm. um, we're gonna see that it is viewed here. And it's a very good service to our constituents that may not be able to, some of them work their work right now, not be able to tune in and, and, and watch what's going on in the county and being updated. Um, their opportunity is to go to any other accesses, which on here, I, I gotta say, there's one other access that's not listed here, and that's, um, you can go to the county website, Board of Supervisors, go to their agenda and click on, and it'll, it'll come on, you can view it there too also. Um, as another additional spot that you can pull it up and look at it afterwards. Um, uh, I got to commend Susan, who's here every time. She does a great job uh, filming us. Um, and the, I, I'm all in favor, and I had this conversation with Susan just the last meeting that we had, that yes, I'm in favor of upgrading all of that equipment. Because we, and I think you're going to get student more students there, because right now the equipment we have, if they're trained on and they go to get a job somewhere else, that equipment's not even, they're going to have no idea what they're looking at because they're trained in something that's from the 90s. Um, and, and so I think it's a big benefit for them. These kids that will be training, and we've had a lot in the past, we did have a, a large number of students before um, COVID and, and other things um, that were training and coming in there and they used it later on in life. Um, I can name a couple that made some movies that were trained there. Um, and some of these kids that we're providing this opportunity to, it may be $200,000, Supervisor Garamini says, but those kids may not have the funding and probably don't have the funding to go to college. This is an opportunity for them to be able to get trained specially in a special item um, that they can take with them and utilize that possibly in the future for a job. This is excellent training for them and I'm looking at it that way. Um, the opportunity is there for our youth um, and, and 
get trained, go get a job, whether it's at a TV station, wherever it is, and then they, they can come back here to Calaveras County um, and drive to work or whatever and keep them in the county with that opportunity that otherwise they may not have um, for them because of the funding situation that they have. So I'm in favor of, and thank you for your presentation, Jamie, thank you. Sarah, thank you. Um, I think you both do a good job. Can I just yeah. throw When we come back in the spring, uh, I would love to see that data. I'd like to see the data on, as, as Supervisor Tafanari said, we'll have it then. I'd love to see, and I'd love to have an update on how we've done in building the partnerships with the schools. Because it only, I think you said you had an intern. I'd like there to be lots of them. So that'd be great to be updated. And, Absolutely. And maybe, we could, maybe I'll get off this board without doing this one more time. <laughs> in in so, the past, we've had as many as, as seven to 10 it just things that changed a little bit. And, and again, if we get this equipment upgraded, starting with the mixer that's there, this 1990s <laughs> mixer, and get into the program with this, um, uh, that, that they can utilize, um, I think we'll have a lot more. Um, but again, in the past, we've had seven to 10. We've had that room full during that time. And even people, even that aren't kids, that came in to learn how to use the equipment. Um, Ed and Paul ran a program so you could, you could take, like you were saying earlier, you could use the equipment without going through that program you couldn't use the equipment. They insisted that you, you were trained how to use it. And then you can go, like you say, make your own um, movie or make your own program and bring it to PEG TV and have it aired on there. Yeah. We so. completely agree. And even training some of the departments how to utilize that equipment too. Like we talked about the partnership. So they can create more videos too to kind of get information out to the public. Um, yeah. So, yes, yeah. I agree. So, all right. Um, we had public comment. Is there any public comment? Marty. Marty Crane. This is one of the gems in the Calaveras County Gold Country. Um, I, I haven't um, always gone there regularly, but I've always struggled with technology. I do not have a personal IT department like you do. Like people who are in business they have an IT department um, people like me there are thousands of us out there we have no place to go I charming husband and I before he passed we thought well we'll take a class on computers we went and back then it was like $40 a piece so we went there when we left we knew nothing more than we knew when we came it was a waste of money but when you come to the TV station uh, or to the senior center, wherever they're holding a class, you learn on your uh, uh, instrument. And then if there's something a little more, you can make an appointment and go there and they help you. Just last week, I don't know what I did. I accidentally made my phone go black and I couldn't fix it. Well, then I accidentally fixed it. But when I walked in, she goes, did you fix your phone? Here, let me help you do it. I said, oh, I accidentally fixed it. So the thing is, we don't have a resource out here. This is our resource. And I understand that Sarah is, um, is uh, not a permanent hire. What's the word again? Full-time. OK. Um, but anyway, so I'm glad to hear that. But you know, all these different things that we want to do, it takes staff to do it. So I don't know if you have enough help yet or not, but we should keep an eye on that. 
And um, I'm just so grateful to what they've done. And by the way, did we see your picture up there, Al? We saw your picture up there. He runs one of, he has a, a show regularly, been doing it for years. And so this isn't just for the kids. I'm on the county school board. I appreciate whatever we do, but we also um, are focused on adult edu education. And this is big. This will help our adults, our seniors, everybody that didn't grow up in the technology age, will help them to um, be more productive in the community. And all these young people that are le learning these things, they may make a career of it, but they can also go and help with all the events and the, and the people in the community that are doing great things because most of them are run by people that don't have tech backgrounds. So kudos, kudos. Thank you. Bring it on. Uh, Alice Gallo, Taxpayer Association, and also the host of Taxpayer Alert. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed having a program and uh, it's always a challenge. But one, two things I noticed, um, this studio has run flawlessly. It, it, every, every program turned out perfect. There's no uh, uh, mistakes that are not caught. And uh, so the public has the opportunity to see some good quality uh, TV. In the case of taxpayer alert, uh, I was taught at the beginning to be very kind to our guests because we like them to come back. <laughs> and one of these guests are actually our supervisors who uh, support the, the program itself. And uh, one of the things that we do in taxpayer alert, we ask the guests to come up with five items or questions they want to be sure to cover. And so we write that down right before the program, and then we cover each of those. And then in the meantime, we also talk about taxpayer issues, and we learn some controversial things, but never attack a real being. You know, if you look over the years and years of our program, you'll never see an attack on a person. We don't do that, because they, uh, if you started to do that, uh, then we lose your credibility because you find that half your audience may not agree. <laughs> so if you keep losing half your audience, pretty soon you're out of business. And, uh, and so one of the people that uh, has done such a good job is, is uh, uh, Susan. She's uh, not only uh, a great uh, uh, technician, She's also involved in public interest activity herself, and she was a guest on Taxpayer Alert explaining about that. And uh, the program is really enjoyable for me, and really thankful for Sarah and, and Susan, and also uh, our board of supervisors who's been supporting us. Have a great day. Any other public comments? I wasn't expecting to speak, but I'm Pamela Quile. I've been on the board of directors for CCTV for 35 years. And I just want to say thank you very much that I support this group and all the things that they've tried to do over the years. And we will continue to try to keep public television going. So thank you. Thank you.
Good morning, y'all. Kathy Topol, Common Ground Senior Services. Um, thank you, Gary, for mentioning the senior population. Um, this is a lifeline to those guys. In addition to seeing all your pretty faces every other week on the supervisors' meetings, they get, as was mentioned before, COG meetings, city council meetings. This keeps our seniors connected to what is going on in our county, especially our homebound seniors. But I'm going to talk about a couple of other things that they have done for the senior population. Um, we have personally worked on a grant together to, call, to do videos called Enhancing Your Life at Home. It was five video series that we put on tablets and gave to seniors, and they could get out and do these things that were uh, on it. Um, senior Moments are also videotaped and, and put on. Calaveras Senior Network Provider Meetings. You know, this is a, a meeting where all the senior providers come together, talk about what their services are, gives that information out to the public. Um, we've done elder abuse conferences, um, uh, caregiver conferences that have been videoed and placed out there for people that couldn't attend. Uh, they do dance for Murphy Senior Center, The Doctor is In, Stay Vertical Calaveras, and again mentioned Tech Tuesdays. Um, the importance of being able to get the disaster information out there as quickly as these guys do. Um, you know, sometimes during COVID, our senior population only had these guys. So I understand everything that Jack said about the youth, but we have four times more seniors in this county than we do youth. So thank you. Any other public comments? See none in the room. Are there any online? There is none online, and there is no comments on the phone. Okay. Well, we'll bring it back to the board. Is there any final comments by any board members? No? Thank you guys for your presentation, Jamie and Sarah. And yeah, well, next time you come back, um, hopefully we have information, information to sway Jack. <laughs> Onto the onto the good side. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, we'll move on to the next item. This is supervisor's announcements in compliance with Government Code five three two three two dot three D. Board members shall provide brief reports on any meetings attended at the expense of the local agency and may make other announcements or report out. And we're going to start with Supervisor Fallendor. <laughs> uh, last week I attended the OCOC annual conference. Um, I stood in for Supervisor Garamendi um, at the board meetings. Um, one of the Biggest things no, I don't remember <laughs> um, that came up during the conference uh, was, or one of the highlights was outdoor recreation, primarily on um, bike. Um, so we had a wonderful presentation by a gentleman. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Anyways, it, he did a great presentation explaining um, the connection to community with um, biking, um, and not just biking, but also um, uh, skateboarding and getting the getting people outside and connected and building a community out of that. Um, which leads me to the next 
item, which I did not report at the last meeting because I forgot, um, and the chairman reminded me. Um, the COG recently received a grant for Biconped um, of $300,000 um, for planning, um, which I think would really go um, hand in hand with what the board direction is for a master um, plan for recreational. And so um, things are really starting with, with these type of topics happening at that level, at the RC level, and then um, our different organizations working together, I think we're really going to start seeing some movement in that um, goal that the board really wants to see happening. Um, but there's definitely a lot of takeaway. Teresa and I was, you know, chatting about it through the conference and got really excited and motivated. And I think with this grant from the, um, through the COG um, and the county, um, putting that money as an investment to the same um, items, I think we'll really start to see some things happening over the next couple of years. And I think that's really great. Um, and we have the resources out there um, to tap into, not just locally, but also at the RCRC level and these organizations that are really making this happen. Um, the other thing that I um, attended with Supervisor Gamindy was uh, LAFCO. Uh, LAFCO has a new website. Yes, I have no idea how excited I am about that. Um, makes yeah. finding new meeting agendas a lot easier. Um, so if you go to the Calvis, LACO, uh, um, we have a new improved website, which is really more um, interactive for the public as well as board members um, to find, find things. Um, the other meeting I attended with Supervisor Stopper and staff um, after that letter at the last board meeting went out to the board members of ACTA, Supervisor Stopper and I, along with Corey and um, a few other staff, um, were attended um, kind of a let's get on the same page sort of thing um, with the ACTA chairman and two of their board members. Um, I think it was really positive. Um, to sit down and have that discussion. And I'm really looking forward to uh, making some next steps. And I don't know what that looks like with this board and bringing back on what their steps are. Um, but at some point with working with Corey, maybe we um, can update the rest of the board on an agenda on um, what, what kind of goal settings that came out of that meeting. But I think, um, I think that letter the board coming together and getting that to act they really started the next steps of conversations that really need to be had um and at the end of the day it wasn't about um it's not about taking money it's how can we better collaborate so we understand what our um how our investment uh, how these dollars are investing back into our community and we can better collaborate with the organizations and with with each other um going forward so, and i think that's it right yep okay supervisor garamendi thank you very much chair um since our last meeting well, I think of things that are important is we descend, I attended the uh, public health fair that was put on up at West Point, and there was a tour that came up the railroad flat. I'd like to thank all the staff and public health for putting that together. It was a great show. I know you're part of it as well, supervisor. And it was a great show, and it was, it was it's just always great to get people up country to West Point and see all the things that are going on 
from installing baby seats to handing out sunblocks and good water. I mean, it was, it was everything in between it. It was just really, thank you everybody for putting that together for our community. Um, a note to uh, to this board I should report out on is we can, Golden State Connect Authority continues to move forward. We did move forward in submitting grant applications on behalf of Calaveras County and 40 other, or 39 other counties. Um, they totaled $1.3 billion in possible construction by the time we're done. So we're gonna have to see how it goes through the process, but I think Calaveras is a, has a solid plan it's an affordable plan, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to apply that, and that could be north of $30 million of construction to bring broadband infrastructure to our uh, community that does not have it. Um, I want to thank Supervisor Fallenberg for coming for me at RCRC. Much appreciated, and uh, that's all I have to report out, Mr. Chair. Supervisor Hoverty. Thank you, Chair. I attended the last CCWD meeting on the 21st. I was at the GABA meeting, and I did two other Arnold Community Group meetings. And then last Friday, I was lucky enough um, after the State of the County and your wonderful address uh, to meet with the Senator and the CEO and tour the animal shelter. Uh, and then we had lunch and I discussed the um, Beyond the Animal Shelter, which will have some exciting news next month. Um, we, I discussed the um, upcoming prescribed burn at the Calaveras Big Trees. And that's it. And you guys reported everything I had to report, so <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I don't have anything to report after that. Uh, CEO Teresa, Ms. Hitchcock. Nothing for me today. Nothing for you. County Council, nothing? Well, with that, then we will be adjourned. Yeah.